Welcome back to an episode of the Anglers Happy Hour podcast. In today's show, we talk with Western bass fishing legend Cliff Perch. Cliff dropped some great knowledge on us. We also talk about the greatest lengths we've gone through to prepare for a fishing trip and whether or not it was worth all the work. Hope you guys enjoy the show. All right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Anglers Happy Hour podcast. Um, we've got a cool show on tap today. We're getting ready for our big event tomorrow up at Roosevelt Lake, the Anglers Happy Hour, Happy Hour meet and greet. But um, Mastermind. Before, yep, Mastermind. But before we do that, figured we would uh, drop one more episode. We've got an awesome guest today, Clifford Perch here from Arizona. Everyone knows him. He's an incredible angler. He's won, uh, he's won a ton over the years and uh, just a great guy and great outdoorsman in general. So look forward to chatting with him. He's going to share a lot of information about Roosevelt itself for the guys that are actually coming. And we talk about some other stuff as well. So make sure you stick around whether you're coming or not. Um, but as always, let's see what's going on with the guys. Rob, you're in the top left corner to me, man. So let's start with you, dude. What's up? Uh, not a lot. I did a few guide trips this week. Um, it's good to get back out on the water and put hunting in the past for the year and start looking forward to some more fishing. So, um, Fishing was decent. I fished Bartlett one day and then I fished, uh, which was actually probably better than decent. Um, nice. And then we fished um, Saguaro the next day and that was pretty tough, but uh, it's, we cranked them at Bartlett up shallow, uh, caught a few on a jig and a drop shot. So it was fun. Nice. Still Any of those? What's that? Fritz side at Bartlett. Fritz side at Bartlett, dude. That's literally yeah, the first. For Berkeley. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's literally the first time I've, kind of dove into that crankbait and uh, very impressive it's um doesn't run very deep it's just but it's very um i don't know i i, I had it set up for the client on a spinning rod and i actually really like it on a spinning rod um or maybe um if i were to throw it on a bait caster i'd throw it more like on a jerk bait rod something a little a little quicker and, and lighter but it did really well on a spinning rod and we, we caught them pretty good on it so nice you cool man do you throw red at Bartlett this time of year or are you throwing like a shad color? Shad color, 100% a shad color. Um, I don't even know what the color was. It looks just like the thread fin in there. <laughs> Kentucky blue, was, probably. Uh, it's this beautiful, like pearlish. Uh, yep. On yep, the side with exactly a dot and a, a blue back. That's exactly what it was. It's yep. the best shad color they make. Yeah. Yeah. Phenomenal. So cool. Yep. And then you had the courage to do a guide trip at Saguaro. Man, look at you. You just, you throw on a flannel shirt and you got courage for days. How did Saguaro go? Um, that wasn't a lot of courage. That was more a, um, my client was a regular client and he's like, I don't care. I just want to get my dad out and have fun. And that's what we did. Nice, so we had a good time. He just and, loves uh, Saguaro. Our buddy. He loves yeah. Saguaro. It's our he buddy Dave and, and his uh, soon to be 80 year old dad, which was awesome. He was, he was a ton of fun and, uh, just, it was the banter between him and his dad, I didn't expect it. Like I didn't see that coming, but it was fun, dude. It was really cool. So I could see it. He's busting our chops all the time. He had to learn it from somewhere. It's either his mom or his dad is over there chopping, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah, busting he, chops. He got it from dad for sure. And it was <laughs> uh, it was a good time. So you guys it, luck into any good ones? No, we did not. We caught cool. we caught it a bunch of yellows and uh you know, it just it was typical Saguaro. So it's all good, man. That lake is exciting because you just never know when it's going to be your time. I think on the old socials, was it this week or last? Someone caught, I don't think it was a 10, but I saw one on the socials that was pushing eight or nine. So there, anytime you go there, it's always an option. Yeah, you never know. You never know. Mm-hmm. You can, yep. 
That's I like cool. to catch them in June and then post them in January, but it's all good. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of that that goes down. Just too. saying. The truth. People are like, why are you putting on a jacket, dude? It's 114. Hey, man, inventory. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> to Mike Long it, right? Remember that yeah. Mike Long had, uh, had used one fish and posted like several videos and several pictures with different outfits and different uh, angles. And wow. they had proved that it was the, the dude that had really busted him proved it was the same fish. You guys remember that? Yeah, that dude was spot on, man. That freaking guy sitting in there with a with a <laughs> spotting scope watching him for it's awesome. That bass was sitting in his live well as he's like changing his clothes, thinking like, what the hell is going on? It's like this is the winter photo now. <laughs> you guys ball. don't take a suitcase fishing? <laughs> I do it with hashtags. I like there to be more go. creative. You know, I just I just have a lot of different hashtags to apply. Nice. Smart. That's hey, cool. Uh, our good friend of the podcast, Stephen Jackson, I will continue the circle around, but I was just going to point out he started a new drinking game for the Angler's Happy Hour, and we've got a Berkeley plug-in, so he's already one shot in, and Rob has mentioned a guiding trip to listeners, so I think now uh, Five minutes he's, in. he's pretty tuned up at this point. He's two shots in, so let me just say I want to go back to Mexico. Okay, now that's a third shot for him, so nice. we've so lost Stephen. He's out. I read that his list to my wife and she goes, that's all you guys ever talk about. That guy's going to be drunk. <laughs> I know. That's man. why he did it. It's brilliant, dude. So, hey, yeah. go ahead and read the rest of my, you okay, have it yeah. in front of you, Nick? Yeah, I do. I, I locked nice, my phone thank you. Second. Yeah, poor guy. He, we're going to have to be, we'll have to find him a sponsor in AA or something here pretty soon. So this was the drinking game addendum for New Year's slash birthday. So I'm not sure. Maybe, uh, maybe it was my birthday time about. I don't know. Anyways, take it a was. shot when. Yeah, all right. But man, even more love to him, man. What a what a good friend. Hopefully we get to meet him at our event. Um, okay, take a shot when any one of the guys says the word hilarious and nobody is laughing. That's usually me. Hilarious. Um, Josh flexes Berkeley Bates. We're going to skip the next one because he's making fun of me and no one thinks that's funny. No, I'm just kidding. He said, Nick talks Mexico. Rob mentions a guiding trip with listeners. Nick berates himself as an angler. And I do have to tell you, it has been so long since I've had a bite. It's just, anyways, nice. uh, the effects of a burger house visit is discussed. <laughs> oh, it's good. Josh or a guest brings up hotels on tour. And then you, the listener, see, this is where, you know, at that point, I'd say like, man, this guy is giving it to us. He's really, he's got it. But he finishes strong with you the listener stick around at the end of the episode to hear the symbols so he's a true buddy and fan if he's hanging around for that terrible generic free music that we applied to the <laughs> podcast four years ago he's a real he's a real friend that's awesome dude hey steven that's hilarious thanks very it much is. for doing that and uh yeah the it music is. when we started a few years ago we we're like yeah we'll just plug this in for <laughs> now and then we'll get some better music down the road and uh and yeah, the, we've, you know, we've the, really done that. So the legal team at Angler's Happy Hour still hasn't figured out how to use actual like good music that has copyright law on it. So I'm thinking about learning how to play the guitar, and I could just play like my own custom chords and even do that like Johnny Johnson and get and make your own music, dude. Oh. He made his own song. Oh, I, but he's just so talented because he's like a front man at a band, right? Maybe like, we get Johnny to do ours. Yeah, there we go. Man, <laughs> he's got ding. to, dude. All yeah. right. Well, we interrupted the uh, round the horn. I don't have anything too exciting in my uh, neck of the woods. I, I finally picked up a sweet deal on a gently used old Trex for my boat. So that is going to be uh, Josh and Rob. You guys said you're coming over later this afternoon, right? To put it on for me. I got nothing but time, dude. Let's do it. 
Come on, man. It's hilarious. Anyways. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so Josh, uh, what do you have going on this week, man? It was uh, a quiet one for me. Yeah. So. Hey, yeah. I mean, it was just, uh, it was one of those weeks where I'm just kind of same thing, plugging away, getting a lot of stuff done, but nothing that would be exciting to listeners. So you got on the water the yesterday, right? Or go ahead. I did. Yeah. And I was on the water yesterday and, um, you know, just, uh, we'll get, we'll get into the meet and greet and I'll talk about that here in, in a minute. But, uh, yeah, I mean, really the other than that, dude, my highlight was watching Antonio Brown walk off the field <laughs> in the Bucks game. Yes. Yes. He yes. <laughs> clearly did. that guy. Dude, he has nine abs. That is the most incredible, like that guy, when he got his shoulder pads over his head and started dancing, I saw a meme. <laughs> And it might Nick's not just checking him out, dude. What the heck? Leave it up to Nick to watch yep. his abs, bro. Come on, man. Dude, he's <laughs> he's jacked. All caps underlined he's he's an NFL wide receiver, dude. That's a All super right, well, athlete. If the left fielder of the Astros took his jersey off and walked off the field, it would not look like Antonio Brown chanting in an end zone. That's a, yeah, it's a very different deal, dude. No so, doubt. Anyways, um, dude, it's this is like cross humor that almost doesn't apply in the fishing world but there was a, a meme that said this is the reason why the lender checks your employment right before they go ahead and fund your loan because he's <laughs> yeah. like walking off the field with his jersey pants but no jersey shirt. it's so uh so good man it's uh dude it was crazy and that guy the internet obviously went crazy after he did that right <laughs> and and one of the best ones i saw was uh it was like Mike Tomlin must have a really good counselor because they had a picture of Antonio Brown, Chase Claypool, who has been an absolute handful this year, Juju Smith-Schuster. And when, I mean, he's his wide receivers that he's had to, and he, he had Antonio Brown there for years without problems. dude. He wasn't crazy, it's, right? It like, was what just happened? at the end that he went nuts. Yeah, dude, it's probably not a laughing matter because my dad was telling me someone mentioned that um, he had had like, like, I don't remember. He had, he got crushed by someone uh, a little while back. And they were saying it might be like CTE that's making him, he might just be a crazy arrogant. Terrible. NFL player, but he also could have some type of CTE that's kind of taking him over the edge. So if that's the case, I feel bad. But damn, is it funny to laugh at right now, dude, when he's just doing all this crazy stuff? Yeah, you just made me feel really guilty for how hard I was. Well, I'm the one that brought it up. No, who knows? I mean, who knows? He might just be crazy, man. So how much money does he leave on the table? That's the question. It's got to be millions and millions, huh? It originally when he left the Steelers, he had had a monster contract, dude, and it was like 26, 28 million or something like that. Just walked away from it. Yeah, like he was saying, he was done in the NFL. If you guys go back like two, three years before the, uh, who picked him up first? Didn't he go to someone other than the Bucks, or was it just the Bucks? Oh, no, he went somewhere else, yeah. Mm-hmm. Was it the Patriots? He, well, dude, he was on the no? Patriots, Did right? He? Ah, see. We're going to get burned by NFL guys that actually know yeah, all that stuff. I don't stuff. think there's a ton that listen here. They're probably annoyed Good. by our conversation already. <laughs> Nick's looking it up. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, dude, he's had a few tumultuous over the last few years, but I'm, to, to see a professional athlete do that, and he didn't just walk out, turn around and walk out of that. He walked across the field. <laughs> like Apparently, he got in an Uber, and the Uber <laughs> driver was on another podcast. The Uber driver was so stoked. He had a picture of him, and, uh, and he's like, dude, you would have thought this guy had just watched his wife deliver a baby. You know, like he said, he was so excited. He was like frantically excited when he got into the Uber. 
I'm t- that's why I was just so struck by the whole. I I didn't see it live. Please tell me you saw that happen live, I Josh. Were no, you watching? No, I can't game? imagine, dude. I dude, can't imagine. W- I would have lost it if you're just like watching a game casually, and all of a sudden, like the camera like pans over, <laughs> and Antonio Brown's like doing the backflips, and he's looking like that inflatable thing out in front of a car dealership as he goes through the end zone. <laughs> like that is that is such good TV that. Didn't the crowd must have been going nuts, dude. Didn't the security guard think it was a fan on the field for a second? <laughs> How could he not? Well, someone mentioned looks, that. Yeah, he looks like that's a great god. Dude. But I didn't see that. Yeah, he's doing his job. Yeah, that's that's just crazy. But, um, anyways, that was a highlight for me. Uh, let's let's talk real quick. So tomorrow is our event up at Roosevelt Lake. So um, just last quick reminder. We're looking forward to it. I went and checked out the group site yesterday. Everything looks good. Um, it is at the Frazier group site. So if you're coming from the Tonto end, which is from the West, you're going to go just past the Marina and be looking for it on the left-hand side. Um, when you turn in, you go down a couple hundred yards down the road and then take a left. And that's where the group site's at. You'll see us. You should be able to see us when you kind of turn in on the road. And then, um, you know, as you're coming from the East, you're going to go past Windy Hill a couple miles and it's going to be on your right. Uh, we will have uh, food for everybody that shows up, pulled pork, some sides, um, bring your own drinks, whatever you want to drink. You want to, you're free to drink whatever you want. Just uh, try to bring it if you can. We'll have some waters and stuff, but um, I don't think we are allowed to provide alcohol for people. And also that's a lot of people for us to provide alcohol for. So if you're going to bring that, bring it yourself. If Josh would have won Red Crest last year, we would be supplying the alcohol for this event, but Josh didn't win Red Crest. Yeah, maybe next year. You have to bring your own alcohol. Good luck though on that one. (laughs) Um, And then uh, we do, we've got a pretty good behind me here. I don't have a a camera I can turn around, but I've got a stack of, of prizes to give away in a free raffle. So got a raffle tickets and uh so when you when you guys arrive if you can we're going to have a setup make sure that you just come through we'll be kind of the three of us at first will just be standing behind that table um making sure everyone's set up with food and raffle prizes so come or raffle tickets come get your raffle ticket first um and then the last thing i talked about last podcast too but if you want to bring something to sit on we're going to have a fire so if you're going to hang out a little bit after dark um as late as you want Make sure you bring a chair to sit in uh, as well. We have picnic tables, but we don't have enough room to get a bunch of chairs in. So, And a little bit of firewood. I'm confident that I have a good amount, but if someone has a little bit of space in their truck or whatever, throw a bundle yeah. in and why not? That would be Yeah, great. I think the a bunch of people better. are bringing it. I've had people tell me they're bringing it. So. Cool. So I think we'll be capable of lighting up the entire Gila County with a nice-sized forest fire. So be good. Yep. Awesome. I think that's it for the event. You know, we'll, Cliff is really going to break it down um, as far as what he would be doing if you're going to come up and fish. I went out yesterday and did pretty much what he said. And uh, I didn't have like an epic day at all, but I caught some fish cranking. So, um, yeah, bring your bring your shallow, medium cranks, spinner baits, chatter baits, jigs. And, um, you know, I really do. I recommend getting on the bank and, and fishing rock that has had some sun beating on it either the day before or while you're out there. The water's coming up slowly. So, and also just be careful running around. It's not crazy out there, but um, if you launch like up in either the Tonto or the Salt, there's some floating debris just from all that water that's come in. So, if you want to avoid that, I'd launch mid lake, launch somewhere like around Windy Hill and fish mid lake. You won't have any floating debris. But if you're from Windy Hill East 
or probably from Troya West, there's going to be some debris out there. So keep your, keep your eyes out for that. Um, and then other than that, just have, before we send over to Cliff, I got one topic that our buddy Scooter from Arizona Fishing Guides had brought up the other day. He's, he's fishing a Wild West tournament today, and he was, like, stressing out with all the preparations he was doing for this thing. And he's like, man, you should talk about it on the podcast. Like, what's the, what's the most you've ever done to prepare for a fishing trip or a tournament? Whether that's, like, spending a lot of money on some certain baits or making a long trip to practice or spending, like, an absurd time – researching a lake um and I, you know i wrote down a couple examples but do you guys have anything like in mind of like just for me like nick you've done a lot of preparations for your recent mexico trips man um and then rob you fish so many events um do either of you guys have one that pops out where it was like damn i really went above and beyond to prepare and did it work probably one of the wor- things that pops into my mind and this is so random why it pops into my mind but we went on a uh, archery bear hunt in 2005 this is so long ago up in canada and to think of the amount of fishing tackle and rods and reels we brought on a bear hunt it was <laughs> that's great dude we had like i'm sure the airlines i guarantee you can't do that anymore i mean we had all of our hunting gear we had i bet i brought at least 10 rods i mean who does that? that's ridiculous dude i know it was, but we just had no idea what we were getting into. We had rod tubes and reels and boxes of tackle and all our bows. And it was, yeah, that was probably one of the, do? we did a ton of fish and the okay. fishing was way better than the bear hunting. Okay, what, uh, what, I would never, I would never go back and do the bear hunt. It was, uh, literally shooting them out of a barrel. Um, I think I shot one at 14 yards. It was the longest <laughs> shot in camp. <laughs> So, Who has the balls to sit there 14 yards away? I was yeah, in a tree. You, yeah. Okay. Are that yeah. How, I was thinking you're like turkey style where you're sitting at the base of the tree making bear noises. And yeah. Then you my like buddy stood had, up and my buddy had to kick one down the tree though. It came up the tree, had to kick it in the snout to get him down. <laughs> he like donkey hey. kicks it and then shoots it with an arrow. Yeah. The Imagine pike fishing missing. was, the pike fishing was phenomenal though. Like, so my buddy's dad, he was, he was in his seventies at the time and he, uh, late 60s, 70s, somewhere in there. And, and he was from, from Iowa, but he used to fish in Minnesota all the time for these big pikes. So he was really versed in how to catch the big giant ones on big daredevils, daredevils out deeper. I could care less how big they were. I wanted to catch them on the blaze orange wooden jerk bait. It looked like a uh, safety (laughs) cone coming through the water. (laughs) But the fish agreed because there would be like V's from 15 feet away on the surface coming at it. And just imagine a 10 pound pike, like absolutely smashing a bait that you can see. And you saw every bit of it. It was phenomenal. That's fun. Yeah. So the preparation was worth it for sure. Nice. I'm glad it paid off. That's cool. Was that a musky lake too, or was it all Northerns? All Northern pike. And it wasn't even a lake. It was a river. Um, And so we would hunt from, uh, let me think about it. We'd hunt from six in the evening till about 1130 at night. So dinner was at like one in the morning at camp. It was, it was brutal. I was sick. Like in today's age, you would, you wouldn't even go. Cause I was so sick. Like I had like a bad cold <laughs> and they'd run you down the river in an aluminum boat. And the aluminum boat was the exact same temperature as the water. And the water <laughs> was in like the high forties, mid forties. So it was, yeah, it wasn't ideal. So wow, interesting. But, 
but all in all, it was a good memory and glad I went, you know, but, uh, I'd rather go up there and just fish. Rob, didn't cool. you, uh, start your tournament career in a minivan? Did you have an Astro van or was oh, it yeah. Aaron Martin? Someone did, right? So I bet yeah, I didn't, some- it wasn't my tournament. I didn't, I didn't start my tournament career in it. I, uh, when I was, let me think real quick. Yeah. I think it was when I was about 19, I bought a Chevy Astro van took all the back seats out and that was my bed. I literally lived in this thing when I was fishing. Awesome. And so it had a 4.3 V6 and you could literally um, pass all the guys with the Chevy 350s going up the passes here in Arizona, up the hills. That thing flew. Nice. Fast. Yeah. Good That's gearing cool. in it. Did it yeah. ever have any issues with the two wheel drive? Well, it's front wheel drive. So you probably had enough traction. Tons of issues of with the two wheel drive. Okay. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. How about no, it? Was rear, it was rear wheel. And like, if you know where Apache Lake Marina is, uh, I'm sure a lot of people are, you know, have no idea, but it was a gravel road down into the marina. Now it's paved. But so we'd go down there and fish all day. And whoever was with me, I'd be like, hey, dude, you're going to have to get in the back of the van and jump up and down. The They're whole like, way out. All the way out, dude. <laughs> That's a pretty good hill, dude. That's hilarious, oh, man. And you just to the main gravel road. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah. So it's it's sharp uphill. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And if you got stopped, if someone was in front of you, you'd literally have to back back all the way down and start over. <laughs> run at it. Yeah. I only yeah. ask because I could imagine the level of crap and planning you could fit in a in a hollowed out van could be pretty good oh i could get a ton in there i just was so broke i couldn't afford enough so i had yeah. it fit in in a grocery bag <laughs> yeah. in the boat, you so. could have had a toyota tercel with a, a tow yeah. hitch and be fine yeah that's, that's good cool. stuff yeah well oh, obviously yeah. mine yeah mine that comes to mind is one that we beat to death on the episode bust of mexico but man building those ridiculous pvc rod tubes to haul four rods across the border was such a, a futile effort of wasted energy, but it was fun. Some of this, you know, like, and maybe scooters stressed in the moment and you guys might be able to agree with this, but I think some of that, some, some of the whole fun of the experience is the preparation for it. I mean, oh, maybe yeah. Josh, at this point, it's just nauseating to you because you've had to do it so much, but like Rob, that was probably pretty fun getting all that tackle together to go up there. Cause you don't know what to expect. And like, yep. you're, you're thinking you got You overthink everything four times more than you should. And like, then you get there and like, I've had a lot of trips where it's like, well, it didn't live up to my expectations for other reasons, but then also it's like, well, man, I thought I was going to do A, B, C, and D. And I could have just like made my life so much simpler by not bringing this, but. Well, yeah, but, but it's fun because you have, you have your stuff, you catch them on at home, right? You're uh-huh. all, all your fit in it, but it's fun to be like, Hey dude, I never get to throw this thing. And this is going to probably work where I'm going. So it's fun to, to get new baits and stuff like that to try. What's up, Rob? Yeah. And t- tackle prep was a big deal when I was younger. Like we, we literally on Friday nights for a Saturday term, we would have tie on parties. Like <laughs> yeah. me, me and my buddies, like that's, we'd drink a beer or two and sit around and tie on stuff. And yeah, hell yeah. like, it, oh, it's fun it, as hell. That, it was so much fun. And like, can you imagine nowadays when you're at my age at 50, be like, Hey, I'm going to go over to so-and-so's house. We're going to have a tie on party. My wife would be like, what? <laughs> That's weird. So, you can't call it that. If you know, you, you could get a better name and it would be yeah. acceptable. 
Yeah, maybe it'd be it's weird. Just, it's just too honest, right? Josh is right. We just have to disguise it with. We're like, just gonna go kind of go over our game plan, honey. We got yeah, we gotta go work go. on our game plan. <laughs> we need to do Larry's brakes on his boat trailer. Yeah. <laughs> but then That's Josh, funny. another one, dude. That he I, is, I was he's thinking back. of. Who, Larry? Oh my, yeah, the the truck out there. Oh so. yeah, he if his guys, name probably is Larry with the hot rod. Probably. Um, that, uh, what I was gonna say though, we shared one. Uh, dude, remember that tournament at Lake Mead all those years ago when uh, I had far too many adult beverages uh, the night before we we taxied? Did we take a taxi into Vegas? Yeah, yep. And and I had a little panic attack at like 3 a.m. on the strip that we weren't going to make it back. We made it back, and then Josh drove to Kingman? Yeah, we hung over as could be. We had to get up the next morning and drive to Kingman to get Bates. And baits that the same swim, thing, just they didn't work in the tournament and stuff. Apply. But yeah, that's funny. I forgot about that one, dude. We were horrendous. And that's how good of a friend Nick is, dude. Like, he didn't even stay. He got up and rode in the passenger seat with me all the way back to Kingman, dude, to keep me company. Probably make sure I didn't go off the road. But I was fine. I was just hung over, you know. But, we could yeah. care less about the baits. What happened in Vegas is what we want to know. And nothing, yeah. dude. Nothing. <laughs> now, nothing? What? I remember that we had night fun. well. Yeah, we had a lot of fun. What there happens was an, in Vegas stays in Vegas. I not guess. on this podcast. I'll give you all the details. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Josh, what about you, man? Um, dude, yeah. So a lot of the, the regular stuff, for me, the, the ones that stand out are the driving to go pre-practice, right? Um, you know, like the actual tournaments have official practice days, but there's an off-limits period before that that's typically 30 days. And if you've only got two days to pre-fish, and it's a giant body water that you've never been on. You're not allowed to get any information on it. Sometimes you have to get out there yourself and learn how to run around so you can be efficient when you get there and be safe. Also just kind of learning, learning lake. So, you know, I don't always do it once, once or twice a year. I do this for, for lakes that I think I need it. And uh, there have been some that really paid off and some that didn't pay off at all. One I remember specifically was, uh, well, Nick and I had a crazy one. My first year, we went and did a marathon uh, and, and went to Sabine River and Falcon. But, um, you know, that wasn't crazy far. It was Texas. But there was one where I drove. So this was like maybe 2014. And uh, it was my second year fishing the elites. And I, I'm like mid-pack in the standings. And the Angler of the Year tournament, like the top 40 in points or maybe even the top 50 in points would go. And uh, I'm sitting in like 48th. There's a hundred out of 105 guys or something like that, right? Mid pack. And um, there's two tournaments to go. And the Angler of the Year tournaments at Bay Denoc in like the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. And I'm in Arizona with my boat. And I'm like, well, <laughs> you know, I feel pretty good about the next two tournaments. And you know, that's odds are I'll be on the bubble for the classic if I make make it to the angler of the year tournament so i need to get up there and look at this place there's no information available on the internet because it's such a, a far out place like it's such a, a rare place to go for for someone so dude i drive all the way to the upper peninsula of michigan and pre-fish on bay to knock for three days and one of the days i'm by myself one of the days there's six footers and i just battle them all day long and uh just destroy myself and then I leave there, end up going to the next tournament, the Delaware River, and completely bomb. We talked about that one with Skeet last time, and it completely ruined my chances of making that tournament. So I drove up to the UP of Michigan and 
pre-fish for nothing. Oh, it was dumb. Could have went either way though. I mean, I mean, yeah, it could have. And, and there's been, like I said, there's been for every one of those, there's one that you're like, man, I'm really thankful that I came. Like earlier this year, we talked about, uh, or last year now in Florida, we talked about how uh, James Elam and I had gone down and scouted the Harris chain in Florida. Cause I had never been there. And I spent two days just looking for grass, offshore grass. So when actual practice came around, I could drive right to the best hydrilla in all the lakes. And it's a big, and that paid off lakes and it paid off big time, yep. you know, all throughout yep. the tournament. If I'd run out of fish, I didn't have to go <clears> find more grass. I knew like, okay, well, there's really healthy grass here, here, and here. Let me check them real quick rather than like, okay, well, where can I find some more grass? So it does, but that one was dumb. After, afterwards, I was like, damn, I can't believe I went all the way up there. Uh, Is there ever a chance bait in aqua play and you'll have that little bit of maybe, experience dude, there? Maybe. That'd be cool. I, yes, for sure. I remember uh, as another competitor who, uh, it was the last day of the tournament season and we were allowed to share information between competitors. And it was like a salt in the wound at the last tournament. One guy came up to me at takeoff. He's like, hey, uh, I heard you went up to uh, Bay de Noc. <laughs> oh. And I was like, uh, yeah. He's like, where you at in points? <laughs> he knew that oh. I, I wasn't going to make it. And uh, he's like, dude, do you mind, uh, you know, what do you, what do you think about that place? Hope and he starts grilling me. I'm like, oh, dude, this, this sucks. I'm like, you owe me, bro. But, That's uh, when you tell him totally opposite stuff. <laughs> Straight face. Oh, man. Funny, huh? The UP but, of Michigan is pretty badass. I've never been, sick. but I would really die is. to go there. Like that's on a bucket list for me for sure. You're on another. You're on another planet up there. It is, and the fishing was. I did have fun, dude. I mean, they were. Ta- ta- I was train wrecking big smallmouth on this, burning a spinnerbait and stuff like that. It was fun to be up there for a couple of days. But I was just, just say, you know, when we would do stuff like that, like that's the one thing is that it's so much fun. Like our little Texas trip together was fun, and like it's. I don't know. It's just all good. It's a different pace, especially for your lifestyle. Well, yeah, there's no pressure of the actual tournament, right? So you do get to enjoy it. You're totally right. Just saying it like that. The pace is different and it is fun. I enjoy the trips, but um, it's fun. It's more fun when you have another person. When I And I do these alone a lot too. And it's, it's not as fun by yourself. You know, if you have a buddy to enjoy it with, it's a blast, but it's all business if you're by yourself. And uh, it's just, and it's boring too, because like a lot of times you're just idling, right? So um but yeah, we'll see. Um, I think those are the ones that stand out to me. Yeah. Uh, James, James and I had spent uh, about a thousand bucks on crankbaits to get ripped for St. Clair this year and uh, ended up catching them on a drop shot. So that was another <laughs> funny one too, dude. We, we had these crankbaits that are very, very hard to find that are known to work on St. Clair. And the fact that they're so hard to find, you're paying way more than market price, especially when you can't get anything during COVID. So dude, we're scouring the internet for days. We finally find a couple websites that get them. And we bought it. Well, a thousand dollars bought us about 22 of them and uh, whatever, they, wow. whatever they were. But dude, James is the one that had on his credit card. It was a thousand bucks. I had to Venmo him 500 bucks for the crankbaits. And uh, we end up catching them on a drop shot in the tournament. I think he caught him cranking one day. Dude, that's another one that we could joke about. And we'll, we'll end this one and do it a different day, but like ludicrous money that you've spent on something, even if it did or didn't pan out right? Yeah. It's the same thing. It's just how excited you get. And I had a recent one of those too, but a- anyone listening, send us a, send us a message of what you guys have had. Cause I think this is a universal experience for people who like to fish, getting was, amped up over planning. <laughs> hey, what was our last one last week? Uh, when we had asked the anglers to send us uh, a story, what, what type of story was that? What triggered that? Do you remember? 
dude, now you put me on the spot. Luckily, Rob has the mind of a steel trap, so I know he has well, it. But I, I just want to say it. thanks to all zero people that sent us stories hey. about it because we can't even remember. So maybe we'll get someone that has that bought an expensive bait. Uh, <laughs> or made PVC tubes to haul through U.S. Border Patrol and custom only to get cavity searched and almost not get any of your stuff back. We need or more to- stories from you guys if we're going to make you pull pork again. Yeah, and we're not even making it. It's our buddy Blaine making it. But yeah, next time you're getting freaking like 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 lunchables if you don't feed us stuff to talk about. There you go. Lunchables or hot dogs at the next meetup, guys. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. Do you guys have anything else before we wrap this one up and send it to Cliff? Good to go. Looking forward to this weekend. Yeah. Awesome. Well, yeah, as always, guys, thanks for listening. And uh, here comes Cliff, man. He is uh, one of the most accomplished anglers, definitely out west, but even countrywide. His, what he's done uh, with the fishing rod is pretty amazing, and he's a great guy. So I hope you guys enjoy uh, us talking to him. We'll talk to you uh, next week. Man, we talked, uh, talked about you a bunch in the intro. Everyone knows who you are, and um, you're actually one of the very few returning guests to our show. This is Hey, is this our hundred? No, we did our hundredth last week. So this is our hundred and first episode. And I think you're maybe only the third guy to come on twice. So uh, thank you very much, man, for giving us uh, some of your time today. And uh, let's talk about what you're doing right now. Well, uh, Oh, I got one on. Oh, shoot. He came off. (laughs) Guy next to me has got one on. Uh, I'm crappie fishing. I just came over, uh, just came over to do a little bit of fishing this morning while we were talking. I'm honored to be on your, oh, that guy got him a nice trout over there. I'm honored to be on your, your podcast uh, multiple times. I guess that either makes me uh, special or just the easy go-to guy when everyone else cancels late on you. That's definitely false. Uh, the second <laughs> one's definitely false. No, man, everyone wants to hear from you, dude. And uh, it is easier to get your friends on, though. I will say that, dude. I have no, yeah. I'm not afraid to drop my buddies a text the day before we record. That's for sure. But um Hey, uh, dude, it's pretty cool that you're fishing right now. It sounds like you're at a little honey hole. I mean, you got fish, people all, all around you catching fish. Yeah, well, this guy just caught a trout about 20 yards away from me. He's the only guy I see fishing, you know, for four or 500 yards. But, uh, yeah, there's another guy over here. But I just had one on, you know, as soon as we opened here. But one-handed, spinner, spinning, one-handed spinning rod fishing is not uh, quality. <laughs> real. Yeah, uh, you're holding technique. the phone. What's your crappie bait right now? What's your bait of choice? Yeah, let's hear it. <laughs> well, you know, it's it's interesting. You you can't catch them here on a regular crappie jig or a regular, you know, like something we'd use at Roosevelt. You know, at Roosevelt right now, I'd go down with like an eighth ounce. To get, oh, there's another one. I'd go down with like an eighth ounce, uh, like a, a grub, you know, a little curl tail grub, chartreuse or something, you know, about one and a half inch long. Uh, here... They feed on plankton so much. There's so few minnows that they uh, they feed on plankton. So you got to use a teeny, teeny, tiny jig. I've got I've got a buddy from uh, uh, Minnesota that I went uh, ice fishing with. Sent me some of these little ice ice jig heads or little tiny, tiny tungsten jig heads. And so then I put just a little teeny, tiny tail. I've got a little big bite. Um, it's like a it's just like a small like a junior fluke style bait with some scent. They've got a new scent on it. And so I just take like, uh, oh, I've got like a three eighths of an inch off the tail to give the body behind this tiny, tiny jig head. But it's, it's micro. It's like the size of your thumbnail. Interesting. That's yeah. cool. You got a dial. I, 
I've come over here before and you can't catch them on like your normal stuff, but that thing like is said, tiny. Holy cow. You dude. go teeny tiny. Yeah. You go teeny tiny. I got a super duper ultralight. I got a really cool, uh, new rod. Uh, uh, it's a travel rod from Phoenix. So it, I, I keep it in my truck all the time. They got a nice little travel case. So <laughs> it's, awesome. uh, it's awesome, dude. It's so fun. But, but I'm, you know, I got like four pound test and you know, tiny, tiny, tiny stuff. What's a big crappie in that little lake? Like, can you catch a they're two not, pounder? No, no. You know, Roosevelt crappies, we get them giant ones, you know, but here they're mo mainly like the size of your hand. Nice. Interesting. A lot That's of bluegills, a lot of crappies, but yeah. All the fish that Cliff has caught in his whole life, dude, and he still gets excited to go over there and, uh, and catch a couple crappie out of a pond, man. That's pretty awesome. Dude, I could do this every day. I had so many special memories growing up to fishing places like that. Although that looks like, is that um, an urban pond, but there's no houses around it, right? Like you're on a dock or something, aren't you, dude? Yeah, this is Green Valley Lake. You know, I know you guys can see the background, but the listeners can, I guess, but uh, you okay. know, it's Green Lake and Payson. So I can't move around too much because it's, it's, while it's a really, really nice day, super comfortable, sun's out, no wind, there's ice on the dock, so. Oh wow! Be careful. <laughs> <laughs> if you hear a loud thump, loud thump, and a splash, and then the the, the podcast goes silent, that that was me. <laughs> it won't go silent. Trust me. <laughs> uh, there'll be there'll be three guys laughing, but there won't be four. <laughs> <laughs> so, dude, hey, you were talking about going snowboarding. Uh, no Olympics for you? Is it? Did you uh, take today off from your training or what? No, um, we, it just didn't work out timing wise for us to all go. We were, we were looking at, at trying to go this sometime this week, you know, there's quite a bit of new snow at sunrise and they're open some more trails up there. Right Ooh, on. Are you more, right. are you and, more of a uh, snowboarder or a skier? No. Well, I, you know, as a kid, I skied more and then like probably towards junior high, high school, everybody started snowboarding. So I did, did that, but I, I am not a snowboarder. Don't get me wrong. I just, that's what I would go do and I could try to do it from you know, and, and keep from killing myself. You got that but, glorious flowing long blonde hair, man. You look like you probably shred on a snowboard. So you just need to like yeah. post up with some Burton, you know, sweatpants and you could, you could sell it. Well, I can fake some things. There's no doubt about it. All. <laughs> so Cliff, I was just are thinking, you... you know, if I go now, I might have enough time if I broke my arm to recover and like enough to use like a spinning rod in February. You know what I mean? Use one thing on a wacky worm. All I'd be able to throw is like a wacky worm in Florida, but uh, which would probably get you a solid top ten anyway. Yeah, yeah. You know, Chad Pipkins broke his collarbone or arm a, a couple of years ago, and he had like his best season ever because his first four or five events, all he could do was throw a spinning rod. <laughs> That's hilarious. I remember when that happened. I remember watching him fish, and it was it was tough to watch him. He was literally fishing with a cast, guys. It was crazy, <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah. Cliff, are you uh, are you all prepared for the upcoming season? You're you'll be leaving pretty soon, right? Yeah, I wouldn't say I'm prepared. I've been thinking about it. I've had, uh, you know, I've had some other things going on, like Jerry Springer level chaos. But uh, <laughs> I. Uh, <laughs> I'm excited about going fishing. I uh, I got a boat about done uh, in Tennessee right now. It's it's uh, I think it's done. It's just there's a couple of couple of parts they're waiting on. You know, with everything back ordered everywhere. But uh, in general, 
I'm pretty ready to go, I think. So do you go pick that up and just go to the tournament or does it come out here? No, I'm going to go out there, get it wrapped there, probably use it a few days somewhere to get everything dialed in and then go yeah. practice, you know. But I'm not Josh Bertrand ready, but I'm, I'm, the, I'm me ready. These guys know I'm not ready at all myself, man. Yeah. I mean, I'm ready, but my, none of my equipment's ready thanks to uh, COVID and uh, all that stuff. So you're ahead of me, man. Well, it is kind of weird. It's like every email you get from everybody is like, hey, guys, save your stuff from last year because uh, <laughs> we're not sure we can get it to you in time. And uh, it's bizarre. And it doesn't matter what – I mean, it's like everything is wacky that way. Yeah, yeah. It's it's always a surprise when stuff shows up at your house because uh, it's been so long since you ordered it that you don't even remember ordering it. So it's like, oh, yeah, that's right. I ordered <laughs> these 11 months ago. Well, maybe we'll go back to that lake again sometime. You know, or maybe yeah, yeah. maybe I'll need that again sometime. But it's unbelievable. Nice, how yeah, long that'll come in handy in six months, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah after I lose it. Yeah. It's like hiding your own Easter eggs, though, man. It's perfect. It's like <laughs> you should just start ordering stuff right now because you know, like ten months from now, you'll be excited. You'll have to pay for it on your credit card statement for ten months, but at least they'll show up eventually. Exactly. Well, that's cool. How was hunting season for you, dude? Uh, it was pretty good. You know, we uh, we had a good time. Got. Got some nice elk, got quite a few elk, and uh, uh, had some uh, had a couple of big big early bulls, but uh, not not a lot of big late ones. Nice. Did you personally draw any tags, or were you were those just? No, I didn't. I didn't no. this year, and usually I do. I usually put in for junk hunt that no one wants, and then uh, get it. You know what I mean? But this was the first year I didn't get one in a long time. Well, we want to promote that hunt on the podcast, so you're sure not to get it for the next ten years. Yeah. <laughs> what's, what's completely the kidding. Units, Cliff? Completely you kidding. East, but yeah, you and Eastman's Hunting Journal and everyone else. Uh, <laughs> it used to be like an eighty-six percent draw. Now it's gone down to like twenty-five or something. It's like terrible. That. I agree and with you. That's. A I think bummer. it was worse this year because I didn't get it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's just growth, man. You can see it all across the board. That's true. And it comes with it comes with its pluses and minuses, and obviously we can joke that's that's a minus for sure, and which is yeah. what it is, though. For sure, for sure, stinking podcasts and whatnot. I, well, you know, and one as heavily <laughs> listened to and beloved as this one. You know, we just yeah. we're well. 101 episodes in, and. The sky's the limit for us. We could old, yeah. old Josh over there. He's so humble. He he maybe actually did think and forget that we already had our hundredth episode. That's just well, how dumb I am, dude. No, I seriously your, did. It's your hum- humility to a default. Meanwhile, for the last eight days since we recorded, every day I wake up in the morning and look in the mirror and say, "I've had a hundred episodes on a podcast. I am realized. <laughs> I am fulfilled." Glad that's you, working out for you, Nick. Oh man, reach- affirmations are everything. <laughs> You've reached awesomeness. Thank you. And hearing it from you is confirming. You know, other people, maybe not so much, but Clifford Perch. I mean, dude, with with your last name, you were destined to be, you know, like what you are. It's just a beautiful thing. Well, yeah, you know, if I was in Florida right now, it would be, what, speckled perch fishing and white (laughs) perch. True. (laughs) No yellow perch, but. I mean, you can't. I'd catch one back there. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Go take his spot. Walk over there and like awkwardly stand within like four feet of him and drop down. Please. Yeah. He's trout fishing, but he's throwing towards the bank. It's kind of weird, but he's, he's catching them. That's cool. 
Well, dude, it sounds like you're about ready to just to kind of turn the page from hunting to fishing then, right? Like you're completely done with hunting and now it's time to gear up and, and just fish steadily, right? Yeah. You know, my neighbor called me this morning or texted me right before you guys did, right before we started. And he's like, hey, can you come glass for me? I'm up here on the knob above the house. And uh, he's trying to get a deer with his bow. So we're, we're kind of done, but, but it's just mostly just a few little fun, fun deals, archery hunting and whatnot. That's cool. I'm mainly mainly thinking fishing myself. I, I, I my bow is in its case, but but uh, we, we're we're always glassing a little bit. Right on. We're so this weekend. I told you about the event that we're doing. So we're having like a angler or a listener appreciation event for podcast listeners of the show, and uh, we're doing up at Roosevelt. We're stationed over the Fraser Group site, um, which is yeah, you know where that's at, right? Okay, yeah, Fraser's like by the Forest Service, not down exactly. by Exactly, yep, right yeah. over there. So on actually tomorrow, we're going to post this episode this afternoon, and then tomorrow we're going to have a bunch of people that are just going to go up there and fun fish. They're going to meet up afterwards and uh, hang out. But uh, we figured, I, call, I told you in the text, I was like, we need to hear from the King of Roosevelt. We need some tips for these guys <laughs> before um, they get out and fish because – our tips they work sometimes but but not as often as yours man so with the water um, coming up like it is right now it, it you know the water temp dropped a lot i was out there yesterday and uh it dropped a couple more degrees it's up a couple more feet how do these guys catch some fish man well you know first of all it's been a long time since i've been the king of roosevelt but i still catch them there some um <clears throat> you know i I went this week too. We went day before yesterday and, and, uh, it looked like the water was a lot more off color, you know? So first of all, when you get off color water, you're, you're thinking shallower than deeper. You know, we're no longer looking at 25, 30 feet as, as much. Now there's still fish down there on your electronics. And if you're in a part of the lake that hasn't mixed up yet, it still works. But, uh, in general, when you get heavy flow like that and a lot of color, and and uh you know some temperature change then then shallower is better than deeper so uh you know that's that's what we tended to lean towards a couple days ago um took a couple little buddies here from from town and and uh you know first first fish in the boat of the new year was a giant man it was a daggum tank you know it was fun cool dude Uh, (laughs) but uh they they, uh, you know, I think you're, you're probably looking at 15 feet or less and, and really uh, shallower than that is, is probably better for, for more bites, you know, depending on, on where you're at on the lake and clarity wise. You know, that, that clarity is a really big deal. You know, obviously if it's dirty, you're thinking shallow uh, vibration, you know, find some rocks, uh, some, some sunny aspect rocks and, and, and fish that kind of stuff. You know, the first two weeks of January, usually the first 10 days of January is about one of the toughest times of the year to really catch them there. But Roosevelt's a good lake that always does put some out. And, and you know, our, our winters have been pretty mild. It was, it was a cold week about a week ago, but in general, you know, we still live in a great part of the country to catch them in the winter. So uh, you can still get them. Yeah, your, your expectations are just a little lower, right? And we talked about it. I've been, as it's been getting colder, we went from catching 80 a day to 50 a day to 35. 20 and uh now realistically if you go out there and you catch 10 i mean it's a pretty good day but dude how many places around the country can you go catch 10 fish out of a bass boat right now not that many so 
Um, yeah. I, lo- yeah. I love all the tips you gave there, dude. That, uh, and, and it makes total sense. It's, it's easier to, to go target that right now than fish deep. You could definitely, like you said, if you get in the right spot, catch some jig fish, catch drop shot fish, maybe spoon fish, but, um, and the odds for a big one too, are pretty good, right? Like, I mean, Hey, if you're out there jigging a spoon, you might catch 50, but your odds are low. Uh, but man, you get up and, and throw a crankbait or a spinnerbait up shallow, like you'll catch a big one. How big was that one you caught? Uh, it was, it was near six. I would say, wow. you know, it was, it was a daggum donkey. There's no doubt about it, but, uh, you know, between five and six, but it, it was, uh, I mean, it's sure fun. You know, when, when, when you get the bite and it's just hung, you know what mm. I mean? It's like, it's just hung up like, no oh, man, no, that's not a tree. That's fish. Mm. Nice. So that, that's fun stuff. But, uh, yeah, you know, I think the other thing is there's just less, uh, distance between you and every big fish. You know, you kind of shrink up the shrink up the water that you're fishing when the water gets dirty like that because they're you know they're gonna they're gonna be a little bit shallower you know you're not looking one to one to 50 feet or one to you know 40 or whatever you're looking you're looking in a in a narrower range where you're, you're able to put your bait in front of more big ones so when roosevelt comes up two foot on a flat that's a big a big amount of water right but on a steep bank it's just going to go up two foot do you do you look at that at, at all or the type yeah, of bank you know, you're fishing? Obviously there, there's hardly any change for a bass that's, that's on a bluff or on a, on a, on a steep bank. You know, you might be talking uh, in Roosevelt terms, you might be talking around the dam or you might be talking Windy Hill or Salome or, you know, some of those steep walls. Obviously there's very little change for a big one or, or bass in general to, to move, you know, two feet or, or two feet of change. But like you said, on a flat, that could just change drastically. So, uh, you know, it depends. I, my biggest key this time of year, you want to key on rock. Uh, they definitely will be around rock. Uh, they're still feeding on a lot of gizzard shad and things like, you know, yellows and gizzard shad and bluegills and crappies. But the crawdad factor around river rock, chunk rock, you know, broken rock where some clay mixed in, those are those are the key places uh, in the wintertime to really get good you know, some of the best numbers of fish. And are, are you, are you chasing the clear water then? Or are you just changing the way you're fishing in the dirtier areas? Well, uh, you know, you've got, you've got different options. Uh, you certainly can find some run-ins where there's some clear water coming in and warming up, you know, that's definitely an option, but, Oh, I got a fish. Oh, let's see it. Let's see it. Time out. Hold on. This is going to be hard with the one handed. Oh, listen to the drag. The drag? Yeah. <laughs> All right, here it is. Here it is. Oh, oh man, he put up quite a fight. There it is, guys. Hold on. I want to. I need to take a screenshot, Cliff, or I'll just take a picture. Uh, there we go. Got it. Yeah. All right, man. Hater. Green Valley gonna... Lake slab, dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Haters will say it's fake. Yeah, they will. <laughs> there's no haters (laughs) well dude that's awesome um yeah that was like mind-blowing roosevelt um advice and man i i was just following along feeling like i'm gonna go hook onto my boat and go try because that was solid yeah see that's nice well that's cool um yeah like i said i think you, you you target rock this time of year and uh 
you know, some sunny aspects a lot of times are, are helpful. Yet yeah, it, uh, it's too bad that we don't have more like, cause wood, like a lot of fisheries, wood is a really big deal when you have actual wood that can actually hold heat. But uh, mm-hmm. you know, our lake, it's all sticks and bushes and stuff. So it's not really, <laughs> you know, but man, I'll tell you, if you're up in one of those rivers and you do see a, a piece of thicker wood laying down into the water, oh, you yeah. better hit it. Yeah. It's got them. And, and that, you know, I'm, I'm talking in general terms. You, you can still go find a, you know, a wood bite or brush fish, you know, treetop fish because there's so much variety in that lake you know what i mean but i'm talking if you if you just don't know where to begin or what where to start you go get on a sunny chunk river rock bank you know you're around some fish dude i've got a biology question for you um about the those uh fish in roosevelt and for the for the listeners like roosevelt they started stocking northern strain in that i'm sorry florida strain in that lake when maybe 2014 cliff well more recently yes yeah oh man sweet there's a bald eagle just grabbing a fish nah <laughs> wish this was a, he's getting distracted a yeah okay so oh he's gonna fly right over me oh yeah nice. wow it's like national uh, geographic on an audio <laughs> podcast i love it yeah well you know they had florida strain in there a long time ago those big giant giant ones we caught out of roosevelt growing up those 12 13 pounders uh, those are Florida strain, but you know I think with the slot limit and northern strain mix and all that stuff, it's selected for a lot smaller fish. You know there was a lot of 14-inch bass spawning and reproducing, and you just don't get those straight Florida strains. So then when they start putting those in, I think that did help some genetically. Um, I'm not seeing the big 12, 13, 14 pounders yet, but there's a lot of those seven to nines. You know what I mean? So I, I think we're seeing it. Uh, the lake's super healthy, and and regardless of, uh, you know, the stocking was a big part to help. You know that, that no doubt about it. That helps, you know, when you've got low numbers for a couple years because of some low water and weird conditions. But uh, you know, when you get a flooded lake, a desert flooded lake like that, you know, it's kind of taking care of itself. It really, uh, you get all those nutrients. The food blows up. Uh, every you know they 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 eat every time. Uh, they want something and more, you know what I mean? The opportunities are more. So it's not like they're, they're, they're burning what they're taking in. There, there's a lot of foods. So they can grow fast. You know, this full throttle fish growth. we got a good growing season there. So, um, you know, the, the conditions of what we've had the last few years are really good too. So, and, and I, you know, I'm ex- excited. We've had good moisture. The, the water's flowing up here. All the creeks are flowing and uh, the ground's wet. And, and we're only into, you know, the beginning of January. So uh, I think we got a good start for the lake to continue to, to be awesome and, and get better and better, hopefully, barring we have any, hopefully don't have any algae kills or, or any, uh, you know, any type of fish kills like that. I, I think we're going to see crazy awesome for the next few years, hopefully. And, and, you know, hopefully it just keeps on going north. Yeah, yeah. If we're already with the amount of water we've had, we're definitely not going backwards this year, which is always a good thing. Anytime you're in the desert, you're afraid. It's great, but it is going to start to start to decline. But that's not going to happen uh, this year for sure. And last, we might even move forward. Yeah, last year, last year we had no winter, but we had a crazy, unbelievable monsoon summer rain that that we never get rising water, and we actually did. So it it kind of saved us from really bottoming out and losing tons of it. And then and to, to start out with a pretty good winter, I think we're in really good shape. There's lots and lots of cover that's 
going into the water and available to go into the water that I, I'm, I mean, it's really promising. I'm pretty excited. That's cool. Okay. So let me ask you this last question on that. Uh, so we're talking about the amount of uh, Florida strain gene that's going into that lake. Are you starting to see it affect the way the fish act at all or, or no? Because I've had a couple, but there's a lot of factors, right? I mean, the water level changing is, is one thing, but hey, we've seen that. We've seen the lake go full, then, then drop, then go full, then drop before. Uh, the gizzard shad are now kind of more at a regulated amount like they're they're not when they, the gizzard chad got in there they blew up and then they they've chilled out now they're still in there but not like they were um but some guys swear that the lake is just starting to get is starting to fish different and uh do you think that has anything to do with the fish having more florida in their blood or no yeah i mean that's certainly a factor you know you see it you know as you travel you know a lot of our home people oh i got another fish nice. you, you know a lot of a lot of our home people don't get to see that because they don't get to travel. Uh, you know, when you go to Florida, they Florida string bass in Florida in two feet of water, you get a cold front. Well, it hugely affects them. Here we've got a lot of depth. So, you know, in 10 or 15 or 20 feet, they don't get as affected by these cold fronts. So we don't see quite as, as finicky of Florida strained bass. You know, while we do see, uh, while we do see some, they're not quite as finicky because our, our environment is less, uh, you know, it's just a little more stable than a, than a four foot deep lake or That's two true. Foot. The environment's more stable. So, That's a good point. Yeah. And, and, you know, we might see uh, cold front changes maybe a little bit more, but I think it probably has more to do with the food change over the, over the last 10 or 15 years, you know, uh, gizzard shad, don't go ultra deep in the winter like thread fins do. So I think it's more food related. Uh, there's always going to be shallow bass now with gizzard shad in there, you know, and, and, and that was the exciting part about Florida strain, you know, just really pumping in some of those better genetics. To me, once you get a population of fish north of four pounds, dude, there is an unbelievable food source yeah. uh, for for big fish to, to, to go to the next level, you know what I mean? And that's what I think, man, if we could, if we could get that thing just chock full of uh, five pounders, you know, five to tens, and then it's going to, you know, they've got all the food they need to just continue to blow up. That's an exciting thing to think about. Yeah. I mean, I, I, maybe I'm wrong, but I was kind of one of the, I was I wasn't really on the the gizzard shad negative thing. I'm like I don't think that's a factor. I just think we got bad populations and we had a we had a couple of years where, you know, things just got kind of lousy. Mm -hmm. You know, you you know from traveling, Josh, that every world class bass fishery in in the country uh, is chock full of gizzard shad. I mean, there's yeah. not a single one that doesn't have big shad, American shad, gizzard shad, some kind of large shad. Uh, you know, so, you know, that being such a big negative, like they were making it, I don't, I really didn't buy that, but it was just out know, of I, balance, man. You know, the, yeah, you're, you're right. There were not many bass and I heard a stat that like, and correct me if I'm wrong or, you know, whatever, but something like 80 or 90% of the fish in the lake at one point were gizzard shad. Is that possible? <clears throat> yeah. I mean, that, that could, it was could crazy, easily dude. be possible, but it's also, you know, they can manipulate that data and whether they did that on purpose or not. I mean, think about this, Josh, if, if the day that you go 
do your shocking uh, happens to be a day that all the gizzard chat are in that range to get shocked. <laughs> yeah, what, yeah. what are you going to find? You know what I mean? Good point. Now, yeah. I'm not saying I'm not saying that's what happened, but <clears throat> I see that with their kind of data all the time. Whether they're flying a, you know, unit 22 looking at bull elk or looking for deer or whatever, I'm like, you know, you you, you got to understand you're you're in one little slice of time, and to take a such a broad. Uh, brush across all that you know you, you got to look at, at where you're at now I, i'm not saying that it wasn't out of balance and that we you know we we definitely had a low, lower than normal you know bass population and and a fairly high large gizzard shad population i'm not saying that but i just think i just think it had more to do with you know just poor water you know poor cover not not good reproduction numbers for a couple of years just things like that and you know it just didn't do well, but uh, we've seen the opposite. That's the exciting part is we've got all the factors that lead to that lead to awesomeness. You know what I mean? Where you you've got a Falcon Lake situation, you got a Lake Pleasant, you know, raise the dam situation in the '90s. I, I mean, that's what we have going on at Roosevelt. Wow. Well, you mentioned Pleasant, and I know Roosevelt is like your backyard, and you're the the guy for that. But just kind of talking about gizzard chads, I know they've now had a chance to kind of do their thing in Pleasant and Pleasant seems to be kicking out larger largemouth bass than I've seen in years. And I mean, the stripers are giant, like to your point, it does seem like once they get a chance to everyone kind of learns each other's role and stays in their lane, it's great for predatory fish, right? I think so. I mean, I don't know. I, I, uh, I, I, I think so. I think you're right. I just don't see the negative on it. Now there's, you know, you got striper factors and you got all kinds of other stuff. Right. We the had different lake. We've yeah. had really good nutrients flowing in where some of those natural washes are, have been running a lot more the last couple of years there. And, and, you know, it keeps some, some natural cover in the water, things like that. Uh, you know, all those are good factors, but mm -hmm. you know, if you got big fish and you got big food, lots of food for big fish, you know, the, the, the natural thing to happen is for them to, to keep growing, getting bigger and doing better. So, mm -hmm. and, and if it gives big stripers food, you know, that, that they're not eating or chasing small bass or, or, or don't have to eat bass, you know, it's a, it, it's a good situation. I think it's just like, it's just like, uh, you know, stay a mountain lion predator here. You know, we, if you've only got a few deer for the mountain lions to eat, they, they've got to eat them. You know what I mean? They're going to eat them. So if you've got tons of deer, you don't see as, as much of a, of a problem with it. But when mm -hmm. you have less deer, you know, when they have less bucks to eat, well, guess what? They're going to eat a doe. They're going to kill a doe. And when they kill a doe, they're killing one that's, that's reproducing, the one that pumps out two fawns a huh. year. You know what I mean? So every time it, it's exponential. Mm. And, um, you know, so like I said, those, those kind of factors, they go into, yeah, they go into all, all this. And, and I, I think the biggest thing is, is the, is the, the situation we've had with, with water coming in and nutrients and cover the last few years is just super optimal. Well, if you're one of our friends coming to join us tomorrow at Roosevelt Lake, uh, all the more reason to be excited because you got me all fired up now. Yeah, it, it's good. It's exciting. It's, you know, it's a tough time of year, but, but like Josh was saying earlier, we're, you're not going to go out there and catch 50, but you might catch 15. 
and a five to seven pounders more than likely too. I mean, that's, I, I don't know, I'm a snob. I'd, I'd take that every day of the week if I have a shot at a five to seven versus numbers. So. Yep. Me too. No doubt. Yeah. It, uh, it's cool to see this. You can't call them random, but like just it's, they're those better ones in are showing up in the day more often and you just you don't have to even look any further than like results at a tournament you know you go down and you look for the big fish and uh many years dude many years in the past someone would win big fish with like a five pounder you know <laughs> a, you know a high four something like that and um it dude it's very rare that someone doesn't run into an eight pounder in a tournament now so it's pretty cool to see a seven or an eight or a nine at least uh for the big fish in most of the tournaments and uh it's 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 been like that now for over a year um but hey uh dude we appreciate that big time cliff um as my neighbor here revs up can you guys hear this truck as he (laughs) revs up that truck that might be a great sign to let cliff um get on with his day dude we appreciate it big time uh do you guys have anything else for cliff i know we want to wish you uh good luck this year dude can you hear it guys oh yeah sounds great between the bald eagles flying over cliff and the 500 horsepower of ls engine in your driveway josh it is this is the most patriotic podcast we've ever had this is good it's it's unbelievable yeah, listen. Yeah, to this well, thing. thanks, guys. I, I enjoyed being a part of it. It's always fun to fun to hear from you guys and talk to you. It's great you're to always, see you. Yeah, you're well, always welcome, man. Yeah, good I'm luck, pushing. Cliff, and we'll be following along to see how you're doing. I'm sure you'll do well. So. Yep. Thank you. Same to you guys. And Josh, hey, if you if, if you're bored tomorrow evening, man, uh, feel free to swing by, bring some friends, and and come hang out with us. We'll have pulled pork sandwiches, and uh, you know, just be hanging out over at the uh, at the group site there, man. At three o'clock okay, now just tell on. Me. You said three o'clock on? Yeah, we're staying all night, man. So. <laughs> and okay. there will be okay. pulled pork sandwiches, a karaoke machine, and a various adult beverages. So who knows what it will turn into, but a good time will be had. Awesome. Awesome. You guys going fishing beforehand or you guys probably got a little little setup to do too, I guess. That was the hope when we originally planned it, but as it as it got closer, we realized none of us know what the hell we're doing when it comes to having yeah, so an event. Yeah, so we're all, <laughs> yeah. now we're like, we better focus and be all hands on deck to make sure that we're ready for. Well, I'm uh, I'm going fishing, deal. but Josh and Rob will be setting up. Yeah, this. well, it's like a tournament director. You love to fish, but all of a sudden you're not <laughs> yeah. part of the fishing anymore. Very true. That's true. Yep. This is going to be a one once a year deal for us because it's, <laughs> yeah. it's, we've all lost uh, hair over this thing for sure. We're uh, <laughs> we're nervous. That's a neat idea. Hopefully, hopefully, I maybe can make it down and see you guys. No pressure. Yeah, be awesome. Well, thanks so all much, right. man. Um, hope you catch a couple more, dude, and uh, look forward to seeing you again soon. All right, sounds good. Thanks, guys. Okay, see, see you, man. You.